Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. It's a fascinating time to be studying for an MBA. Everywhere you look, case studies are unfolding on a daily basis. Collapsing banks, collapsing car makers, fraud and rogue trading. Business schools have never had it so good, as far as material is concerned at least. With so much idiocy to analyse, the MBA class of 2009 is likely to feel well prepared when it graduates, maybe even a little smug. But will it really be any smarter than today's vilified business leaders? I'm Adam Jones. Later in this Financial Times Management podcast, I'll be talking to London Business School's Freik Vermeulen about how the various crises in capitalism are being taught at MBA level. But first, here's Della Bradshaw, the FT's business education editor, with the highlights of the FT's annual ranking of MBA courses, which has just been published. Della, these rankings are very closely watched by would-be applicants. What were the headlines this year? Well, I think there were two big stories this year, Adam. The first was that a European business school came in at number one. That's London Business School. It was ranked joint number one with the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The second story was the rise of the Asian schools. So we had three Asian schools in the top 20, and one of those SEEBs was in the top 10. It came in at number eight. That's SEEBs in Shanghai. Um, And I think what both those stories show is that there is a move away from the dominance of the US business schools. Um, If you look 10 or 15 years ago, I think nobody would have questioned um, the dominance of US business schools in our rankings. Now that is changing. And how are business schools faring in the deteriorating economic conditions? Well, I think it's largely what you would expect. I mean, there are two stories. One is applications, the other is jobs. Applications are up. Um, GMAC, for example, which does the GMAC test, has reported that it has a, it had its best year ever in 2008. Um, that you would expect. The other thing, obviously, is the jobs are drying up out there. Traditional recruiters, especially in the finance sector, are just not recruiting this year. In fact, many of them have, have disappeared altogether. I can imagine that some students might be put off from applying for an MBA by the the very uncertain jobs outlook. But might they also be deterred by a sense that the reputation of business schools have been impaired by the current crisis, that the business schools and the MBA course was one of the causes um, of all of this turmoil and excess? Um, Yes, I think just to answer the first part of your question, I think there's always a sense that the two-year MBA program is a place to hide in a recession so you might still get a lot of students applying for two-year programs on the grounds that the jobs will be available when they graduate but on the second and much more important aspect to your question I think um, there was a sense in 2001 after the Enron scandal that business schools were not really fit for purpose they were not teaching what they should be teaching to the right people as the jobs came back as the economy got better business schools could then just put that to one side and ignore it this time I don't think they can. I think every business school in Europe and potentially in Asia and America is now now asking that question. Are we teaching the right thing to the right people? So what is being learned in MBA classrooms as capitalism staggers from crisis to crisis? This is where London Business School's Freik Vermeulen comes in. 
As well as being an associate professor of strategic and international management, Frake writes an immensely readable corporate strategy blog entitled Random Rantings. I asked him how the events of the last six to 12 months were being taught at MBA level. Well, first it's important to distinguish between two things. One, there is a banking crisis. And two, there is an economic downturn. Of course, the two are related, but one is the trigger of the other. The banking crisis, in a way, is very unique. We've had financial crises before, but not of this nature. And we're looking back at that in retrospect already, because we sort of see that we're at the end of the banking crisis in specific. And people have opinions why that happened. The second thing is an economic downturn, and that's something that we're sort of still at the start of. In a way, we're much more familiar with that because we've had many economic downturns over the decades. And that's something we can talk about much more in terms of, well, what do we know in textbooks? What happens in these economic downturns? How can we try and deal with them? So there were, in a way, on much more familiar territory. And how are you personally teaching uh, the banking crisis, for instance, in, in your own classes at MBA level? Specifically the banking crisis, I'm a professor of strategic management, so I look at that from an organizational perspective. For example, I've just finished teaching a course at London Business School on strategies for growth, and that may seem a bit of an awkward topic, huh? growth in this period of downturn. However, I find it quite the reverse. If I look at corporations such as Enron or Aholt or even the ancient example of Union Carbide in Bhopal, and we see, really see how these companies collapsed, the root of the problems could already be found in the period of growth. That's where the problems were created that later led to these companies' downfall. In a way, it's the exact same thing for the banking crisis. Um, the problems that eventually caused the collapse of this uh, system and the corporations with them were created in the period of growth and, in a way, financial abundance. Uh, that's where we can understand the problems that later led to this crisis, which subsequently triggered the economic downturn that we are currently facing. And what kind of mistakes were made during this period of growth uh, strategically in the banking industry? In the banking industry, in a way, the problems were the same as, for example, in Enron or Ahold. You see, on the one hand, that there's extreme specialization in terms of who does what. For example, financial engineering, the people who sell these instruments, uh, the people who uh, consume and buy them. And in a way, management, the whole corporation as a whole, lost control of what was going on in this organization. Nobody quite had the overview anymore. Nobody really understood the risk. And that's what you see in corporations, that's what you see in banks as well. So in a way, it's a organization, a system going out of control. We're making a lot of money, but the cause of the problem is already found there. So we see one uh, characteristics of this organization. It's also a mental state. It's the culture of the place. It's, well, cognitive inertia, what we sometimes say. We make a lot of money. Initially, we may question the way in which we make money, but once we're making a lot of money, and for a sustained period of time, in this case years, then nobody questions this system anymore, although it may inherently contain some unacceptable risks. So it's a combination of organizational design and, in a way, well, greed, organizational culture, a sort of um, overconfidence that, that leads to its demise. And what can you do to encourage MBA students not to repeat these mistakes? Well, first of all, that's very difficult. Uh, I have little doubt that we'll repeat at least some of these mistakes. And some people and some organizations will repeat these mistakes. And uh, we can simply see that over the years, companies find it very difficult not to get overconfident and to change on time and so on. 
So, one, uh, it's very difficult. Two, there are certain things that you can do, though, and certain things you can think of. Um, we can think of, well, what led to Ahold's problems, what ran, led to Enron's problems. And if you look at it in retrospect, the numbers of these companies and of the banking sector, uh, say, five years ago, look fantastic. But you're also starting to get a sense of saying this is too much. This is getting out of control. This looks great, but we can't be able to sustain this. And to sort of be aware that there can be too much of a good thing is a first step to try and avoid it. So what we need in place is to think about, well, how much can an organization cope with in terms of growth, in terms of change, in terms of making money, and develop criteria to look at, well, this is too much, uh, we have to tone it down before it collapses. And so there are certain things that we can do, but it will always remain very difficult. And what about the kind of the levers available to managers in terms of perhaps how they design incentive schemes? I think incentive schemes are very much one thing that caused many of these problems. By the way, in many corporations like Ahold, Enron and in the banks, um, our financial schemes, and especially in investment banks, for example, in the city of London, are mostly aimed at financial metrics. It's the same for top managers in charge of many of these corporations. Uh, we pay them by shares, by stock options, by, well, sort of pay for performance. In a way, that's not a bad thing, um, but, yeah, there's just so much you can capture in financial numbers. If you pay Enron traders, traders in banks, uh, hedge funds, people employed in banks, top managers, purely based on financial numbers, then that's what you'll get. People try to optimize and, ma and make the financial numbers grow as quickly as you can. And that eventually leads to its collapse. So what we have to look at is not only create a culture and an organization and a whole industry where people are rewarded and motivated by financial numbers, but where there's also other things in play, where people sort of are proud of their company and try to see the long-term perspective of this organization. Because if you look at financial numbers, you'll try to optimize them and grow them as quickly as you can. If you have much more of a long-term perspective, how you are related to and how your faith and how your personal life is related to this organization, you may have a much longer-term perspective and be able to control the organization, well, and I guess your own urges to grow it and make money a bit better. Freik van thank you very much. My pleasure. That's all for this episode. You can find the link for the Random Rantings blog at the FT's own management blog, www.ft.com forward slash management blog. And do join us again for the next management podcast on February the 12th, when Professor Peter Williamson of Cambridge's Judge Business School will be discussing how Western companies need to look to China during these lean times. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.